0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Usually I would begin this opening segment of the show previewing the upcoming pay-per-view uh, for this particular month and all that good shit. But I wanted to take time out for just a minute or two, maybe a little bit longer, to address the biggest news coming out of yesterday. We found out that one Antonio Brown is being accused of sexual assault and rape twice in 2017, once last year. Now, as heinous a crime as rape is, as heinous a crime As sexual assault is what's been going on with the entire me too movement since last year and maybe a little bit more than that I'd say it's been going on I think it's been close to going on for about almost two years women left and right have been using this movement to falsely accuse men of sexual assault and in order to, uh, to gain attention chasing a bag or simply to validate their sexuality making people believe that a man wanted her so bad that he was willing to rape her now that's not I'm not saying that you know, all women who accuse men of rape and sexual assault, you know, aren't all falsely accused, falsely accusing a man. If a man, if there's beyond, if there's, you know, a man has been proven beyond a reasonable doubt to have raped a woman, yes, he should be put in prison. But then you have the other side, the dark side of the Me Too movement, who are strictly using this for monetary. Um, corporate power or political game as one example being Christine Blasey Ford who accused now Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her over three decades ago. I can't for the life of me, I believe for one second I believe the name is uh, Brittany Thompson. I could be wrong. I'm gonna look it up real fast just to make sure I got the name right. Because Brittany Taylor, I do not believe for one second that Brittany Taylor. Was raped and sexually assaulted. I do not believe it for one second. I can't believe it. And I'm not going to explain it on here because this episode is strictly about, you know, making our preview and predictions for Class of Champions this coming Sunday. But I will be doing something on this. And I'm more than likely going to do it not on the Anchor app, not on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, it's Radio. CastBox overcast, Radio Public no. I'm going to be doing this on Instagram Live tomorrow. Episode 6 of Outside the Ropes. We'll be talking about the Antonio Brown situation. Because there's a lot to take in and there's a lot for us to uncover and talk about. But in a time where Antonio Brown, his approval is at the lowest capacity at this very moment with what's been going on with him and the Oakland Raiders, now being released by the Oakland Raiders, and then not even a half hour later being picked up by the New England Patriots, all of a sudden, this chick, Brittany Taylor, decides to accuse Antonio Brown of rape and sexual assault. And we'll get, we'll definitely get into all of that tomorrow. Um, I was gonna be doing um, an NXT review tomorrow, um, but I'm gonna push be pushing that back to Friday. So this is what the rest of the week is gonna look like. We're gonna have today, where we have, of course, our preview and predictions. That's gonna be going down in just a little bit. Thursday, I'm gonna be going on IG live. I'm not exactly sure what time yet. Um, I'm going to pretty much play it by here for sure. But I will be on Instagram Live tomorrow afternoon to discuss the Antonio Brown case. And I'm going to be going in about around all of this. Friday, you'll be getting your NXT review. NXT UK review will be going down Saturday. And from right, the Penn State game won't affect me that much because by the time I even get off of work, it will more than likely be over. And I am picking Penn State to beat Pittsburgh and beat the brakes off them handily before we go into our bye week. But this is a matter that needs to be talked about. This is a matter that should be discussed and we have to talk about this because, like I said I bet my next paycheck, for sure, that there's no way on God's green earth Antonio Brown raped Brittany Taylor no way, no two ways about it not a chance in hell but the way I, with what I've been reading and the way, you know the story came about I can't for the life of me believe for one second she actually she actually got raped I just can't believe it and like I said we'll discuss all of this tomorrow I'm doing Instagram live I'll post a, I'll make a post on Instagram tomorrow morning guess I'm gonna do it at work don't care but we're gonna talk about this on IG live I think you know this this will be my first time doing an episode like this of Outside the Ropes on Instagram live I'm not sure how long we're going to take it. Not exactly sure how long we're going to talk about it, but it's going to be discussed. And I just wanted to let let y'all know episode six of Outside the Ropes, the Antonio Brown accusation tomorrow. Like I said, I'll post the time on Instagram when um, I feel like it's the, you know, once I I have time to do so, but it will be going down tomorrow afternoon. So without further ado, This is episode 105 of Young Lions Perspective, preparing you for WWE Clash of Champions. And with that being said, let's begin. guys zach from the wrestling podcast here welcome to episode 105 of the young lion's perspective so glad to have you guys here with me today on this lovely wednesday afternoon hump day in full effect and i hope you're enjoying your day your night your afternoon and your evening wherever you may be wherever you are in the world thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast and as always i greatly and truly appreciate it WWE Clash of Champions. I couldn't think of a witty name. You know, I'll make fun of WWE name for this. So I'm just going to keep it Clash of Champions until something pops off in my head. The build to this pay-per-view has been a very interesting one. And not in a good way. In the lead up to this pay per view, we've gotten some good things out of this. One of those things being the return of Sasha Banks to Monday Night Raw, which, if it goes truly, definitely gave a thumbs up. Coming off of the double count out between Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton, they've actually surprisingly built this matchup to be even better than I honestly expected. That's being very, very truthful with y'all. I know I try to keep it as honest as possible. The Roman Reigns storyline who attacked Roman Reigns started off surprisingly quite well. Quite well. And when we found out who actually caused this, it honestly ended very very not abruptly but it just just went downhill after we found out that Rowan was the one who attacked Rowan 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 was the one who pushed the scaffolding and the one who drove the car Shinsuke Nakamura in the Miz for the Intercontinental Championship has really honestly haven't hasn't made me invest in this match whatsoever. I've had no interest in either what either man has done. Um honestly, to be truthfully honest with y'all, I think Nakamura's IC title reign has been shit. A title as prestigious as the Intercontinental Championship should be looked at as the workhorse championship. Nakamura honestly really hasn't hasn't been spotlighted as the Intercontinental Champion. After he won the championship, he hasn't really done much. And now, all of a sudden, The Miz, who, if I remember correctly, is actually a Raw superstar, is facing Nakamura, a SmackDown superstar, for the Intercontinental Championship because they really haven't built anyone up on SmackDown Live to take him on for the Intercontinental Championship. For a moment, we all thought it was going to be Shinsuke Nakamura versus Mustafa Ali. Especially after him cutting promos like he has been that honestly have been fucking amazing. And all of a sudden they just drop the storyline for reasons we don't even know. AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander. The only reason we're getting this match is because with literally a week left, in the build to class champions they were going to have Cedric Alexander versus AJ Styles one-on-one that was more than likely rewritten and we then see a 10-man tag team match that involved Cedric Alexander and AJ Styles Alexander pinned AJ Styles and that somehow grants you an opportunity at the United States Championship instead of having Cedric earn the right to earn the shot when it comes to the women on both Raw and Smackdown the four horse women are going to take center stage this Sunday night Bayley defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair in her hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. Becky Lynch will take on Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. And Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross will take on Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. After what we saw last night with... Mandy Rose and Nikki Cross, a lot of people, and surprisingly, especially women, that I saw on my timeline, were truthfully disgusted at what Mandy Rose had said during her promo. Referring to the Be A Star campaign and, you know, them being against anti-bullying. When in freaking Rose's promo... She basically made fun of Nikki Cross for not being hot. I'm hot. You're not. Look at me. She's a rat. That really doesn't scream good promo to build for your Women's Tag Team Championship match by the way. The SmackDown Tag Team Championships is honestly a match we've straight up seen before i've seen this match more times than i like to admit i mean it's a match that may be interesting we don't know yet i don't know but it's just I, i i don't understand it but the main focus of this entire build towards class champions has been the feud between Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins for the ever loving fucking life of me I do not understand how you can give Braun Strowman a title shot I just don't get it Seth's being booked to look like a dumbass again Braun Strowman just happened to luck out. And they defeated the OC weeks ago to become the Raw Tag Team Champions. Thus using the Raw Tag Team Championship to somehow... You know... Garner a little... I'm doing this in air quotes, a little bit of trust in the two leading up to them lose more than likely losing the tag team championships to whoever won tag team turmoil. And I'll get into that in a little bit as a way to help build this universal championship match. It was dumb. It has been overused. We've seen it plenty of times and it just hasn't worked. Safe to say, this pay-per-view is shaping up to be a major dud. And I said this in my last episode. September is going to be the biggest month and the most critical month of 2019 for the WWE. I said this, between Class of Champions and October 1st, they have three weeks To convince fans that WWE is where it's at. Because come October 2nd, AEW makes its television debut on TNT. In three weeks time. This Sunday night is probably the most critical night in the history of the WWE. It is very critical for this company to actually put on a show worthy of me not destroying it from beginning to end. When I do the good, the bad, and the ugly, that was WWE Class Champions. Would I hate to talk shit about WWE Class Champions? No. I would embrace that shit. Y'all know how I get down when I do the good, the bad, and the ugly. If there's less good than bad and ugly, it was a bad show. I do not see this show being good. The build to this pay per view has, hasn't really been the best, it really hasn't. If you see it with a logical mind, you know that this build has been very lackluster. And it's gonna I am concerned that this show is going to be an absolute dud. Will not get fans riled up for the build towards Hell in a Cell. Will not keep fans around going into the post-class champions Raw. And given the fact that Raw just received a 2.13 rating, which according to Brian Alvarez is the second lowest non-holiday rated show of all time. Let me say that one more time just in case you missed the first time you're taking a piss or something. Raw received a 2.13 rating, which according to Brian Alvarez is the second lowest non-holiday show of all time. The go-home show failed. Even in the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. They did not do enough to get you invested in the show. They did not get you invested on what's going to happen Sunday. They did nothing more than fail. And now, they have a 2.13 to show for. It. Makes you wonder what SmackDown's ratings gonna be from last night, because truthfully, that show was terrible. After after seeing, you know, the King of the Ring tournament, from what I heard was fucking fantastic. I've only seen the SmackDown side because y'all know I don't watch Raw because I think it's trash. We are going to have Baron Corbin against Chad Gable for the King of the Ring Finals. Thank God they did not do Baron Corbin versus Shane McMahon. Otherwise, you have literally desecrated everything the King of the Ring Tournament means and is. Unfortunately, the winner of this tournament gets nothing out of the deal. No title shot, no nothing, no no big possible major push depending on who you ask. And a lot of people are concerned that Baron Corbin is going to be the one to become King Baron Corbin. It's concerning. This show really concerns me. And... Maybe we get some... I, I'm sure... I'm for certain we're going to get some good matches out. I mean, out of the 10-plus matches we're going to get, there's got to be some, you know, very good highlights. I won't doubt that. But but I that feeling in my gut right now, and it's not because I had turkey meatballs, that this show may not deliver the way people are hoping it's going to deliver. That's what should scare you. If the build hasn't delivered, and you've gotten the second-worst-rated show of all time, already in the build you logically should have no hope for this show I don't I don't it worries me that you know like I said this is the most critical month of WWE's 2019 they've gotta knock it out of the park on Sunday they just have to they have no choice You have literally three weeks until AEW shows up and starts kicking ass, because we all know they've already got the Women's Championship will be going down. The beginning of its World Tag Team Tournament, Tag Team Championship Tournament, I should say, will begin. NXT will officially be a full two-hour show. and go head-to-head with AEW. Knowing in the back of our minds that if NXT does not deliver on ratings, Vince McMahon is going to have... It's already been reported. Vince McMahon is going to take the reins on NXT. And that will be a cold day in hell. Go back and listen to my episode, hashtag RIP NXT. And I'll explain explain it further as to why if, if Vince McMahon does take the reins in NXT... NXT is as good as dead. It'll be on the level of Raw and SmackDown. And in that case, you might as well throw up the white flag and declare AEW victorious. So what we're going to do real quick, we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to our sponsor. And then we're going to get right into the predictions for WWE Clash of Champions. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Y'all, welcome back to episode 105, The Young Lions Perspective. And let's get down to brass tacks. Enough talking. It's time to make some predictions for WWE Clash Champions. And let's start off. Let's start off with the Women's Tag Team Championship. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Frost defending their women's tag team championship against a team of fire and desire. The team of Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. I hate the Women's Tag Team Championship. Oh, my God. I hate it with a burning passion. Y'all know how I would have booked this. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross would have been nowhere near the Tag Team Championship. They wouldn't even be a tag team at all. In a perfect world, if I were booking this, Nikki Cross would be over in NXT UK working with the ladies. Alexa Bliss would be on her own. Andy Rose and Sonya Deville would be proper our proper contenders for the tag team championships. No doubt about it. And they would be, be featured in a bigger position and having a bigger match. If anything, if I were booking this, Asuka and Kairi Sane will be the ones defending the tag team championships against Fire and Desire this weekend. I think that would easily have been a better match than what we're getting this Sunday. The promo that Mandy Rose cut this past Tuesday, last night on SmackDown Live, did not help matters either. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Mandy Rose literally I know for a fact there was a uh, one hell of a rewrite. Especially given the fact that Elias was not going to be Involved due to the the fact that he does have a legitimate ankle injury and they had to rewrite pretty much everything for this show. We all knew the whole Shane McMahon deal. I'm not gonna get into that. That's that's irrelevant at this point. But what is is the Women's Tag Team Championship. So who wins? Who honestly wins? There will come a point. Where Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross will lose Tag Team Championships They will lose I will be very thankful When they lose And I think they Lose it this Sunday I really think they do uh, I think Manny Rose and Sonia Deville Can have a good run with these Tag Team Championships, not picking Rose and Deville to win I think If you're gonna have Bliss and Cross Go at each other, make it sooner rather than later. Had us lead up to a Bill Tortell in a cell and have them go one on one. And if I'm booking it, Frost wins. I think now is a good time than any. Because given the fact that the Women's Tag Team Championship and the entire Women's Tag Team Division is pretty much irrelevant in the eyes of many fans. I think if you gave Rose and DeVille a shot to have a run with the titles, they can make it just as good. Because when you honestly look at it and think about it, one of these days Actually, no. I can't even say that anymore because the wild card rule is not going to be in effect. But... There is... If it does lead to a possible two-woman power trip and that they're hopefully they're building towards to a feud with Sasha Banks or Becky and Bailey and Charlotte Flair I mean it with actually no I'm just going to flat out say it with Sasha Banks and Bailey I don't know why I'm beating around the bush y'all is imminent depending on if Banks beats Lynch and Bailey defends against Charlotte Predictions to come on those two matches later on. But I think Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville would make sense now to have a run with the Women's Tag Team Championships. I think it makes the most sense. It makes clear sense because they're actually a legitimate tag team and they have been for quite some time. Even hearkening back before Elimination Chamber when the Women's Tag Team Championships were actually introduced. They are viable contenders, and I don't see any reason as to why we have to wait for Rosen Deville to take the championships off of Bliss and Cross. I'm going with Rosen Deville to win his championships. Drew Gulak defending the Cruiserweight championship in another triple threat match. This time against Humberto Carrillo and Lince Dorada. I do not know how this match came about. Um, the only one thing I know about is that Carrillo, was going to take on Gulag one-on-one. And if I remember correctly, if I read something, I think the only reason we're having this match, triple threat match is because Dorada beat Garrido. That's how they made a triple threat. No one watches 205 Live anyway. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. So that's how we got to where we are. One thing I want to say about the Cruiseweight division and 205 Live is that a lot of people, as of late, have been wanting 205 Live to go away. It doesn't crack the top, barely cracks the top barely cracks the top ten in uh, network viewership during the day, the day that it's on. It's barely cracking the top ten. Period. I say they can do away with 205 Live and introduce the cruiserweights back onto the main roster before the McMahon's, mainly Vince McMahon shit all over the division they were literally touted as the possible future of monday night raw in fact they were exclusively on monday night raw after the cruiserweight classic what did they do with the cruiserweight division shit on them literally shit all over the division honestly 205 live should needs to go away and the cruiserweights need to get back on the main roster. Put them on both shows. Make them unique to the main roster. You don't have to have a cruiserweight championship every single week, but feature your talent, especially on a show like Raw that is three hours every single Monday night. You need some filler. You need a bit of filler. You need a little bit of filler. And what better way to fill time them with solid cruiserweight action just gonna put it out there folks and I would love to see you know guys like Gulak, Kushida Gargano, Garido, like Kanellis, Gentleman Jack Gallagher, Lince Grand Metalik, Rey Mysterio Finn Balor guys like that helping build the cruiserweight re- resurrection of the cruiserweight division I may talk about that in a later time But I'm going to go with Drew Gulak to retain. I think Gulak is the hot hand right now in the Cruiserweight division. I just think Carrillo and Dorada are just there for filler to have um, the possibility of gunning for the title. But I think Gulak right now is the hot hand in the division. And if you have the hot hand in the division, there's no reason to take the title off Drew Gulak just yet. I really don't think so. Um, Guaranteed they're probably going to put him on the fucking kickoff show again. Instead of putting him on the main fucking roster, or should I say the main fucking card? Hell, put him on the main fucking roster. Because you can't lose when you have a division that has the ability to be fucking resurrected and actually properly featured on Monday and Tuesday nights. I think maybe when Vince McMahon goes to the XFL, The possibility of the Cruiserweights being on the main roster is more likely than with Vince McMahon there right now. But I'm going to go Drew Gulak to retain his championship at Clash of Champions. The New Day! Xavier Woods and Big E defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against The Revival, or what I'm going to call New Day versus Legacy 2.0. Now, I love this feud. I do. Do I like? It? Because this, this every time I've seen a New Day revival match, I have not been mad at it whatsoever. What I've been mad at is the way they've been building the tag team division. Oh wait, they haven't. The revival has literally been Orton's lackeys for the better part of about a month and a half. Heels by nature. I get that but for, for, for some reason that's just the tag team division has just not even been that featured on Raw and smackdown at all at fucking all we'll get more than that when we talk about the raw tag team championship but my fucking god seriously when you have teams like new day revival heavy machinery um war raiders Street Profits if you're gonna be featuring them pretty soon on the main roster. The Usos, when they're not getting D.U. catching DUIs in Detroit. The OC, AOP. You have a solid tag team division on your hands, yet they do nothing with the division. Is that even possible? That you have a division, two divisions that can merge into one and you get a possibly one, possibly be second best, you be the second best tag team division in all of professional wrestling today, one spot behind AEW right now. And by the way, that gap is huge. If WWE ever had the balls to make some fucking changes and make the division from two become one. Now, in terms of the New Day and Revival, I see no reason for New Day to lose those titles. Why? The Revival's a Raw Tag Team. In lieu of the fact that we're going to be getting the WWE Draft next month, the week after the debut episode of SmackDown on Fox. We will be getting the draft. That will start on the 11th and on the 14th. I see no reason for the Revival to win these tag team championships. Going into the draft next month. That's just me. Um, I see Big and Xavier Woods easily winning this matchup. It'll be a good match because these two teams can go in and go hard in the paint. I know this is probably going to be a possible highlight of the night, a possible dark horse for match of the night, and a dark horse to be one of my top three matches of the weekend when all is said and done. I hope they make a good match out of this. I hope they can tell a good story, but in the end, New Day retains over the Revival. Let me look here. AJ Styles! Versus Cedric Alexander, United States Championship on the line. This is a match your boy can get behind. Swear to God. Cedric Alexander had a good run in the King of the Ring Tournament. AJ Styles. Y'all know what it is. I think these two can fucking make magic happen. It's a, it's a, maybe it's a good thing that we didn't get Styles versus Alexander one-on-one on Monday night I think it was a solid idea for them not to do so albeit having them involved in a 10-man tag that made no fucking sense um, actually no they did face each other one-on-one they went I believe 9 minutes and I believe it ended in a DQ which prompted the War Raiders to come out to the ring and attack the OC if I'm not mistaken so they did they face each other but it, did, it ended in a DQ So, it could work. I think this match is gonna be a fucking fire fire starter. This should be your match that begins the night. Oh, but you why? Well, what AJ Styles in the opening match of the card, man? Man, come on, man! You got Cesky Nakamura in the Miz. You got the Raw Tag Team Championships. That could go on first. And then you have them in the main event, dude? Shut up. First and foremost. Yes, you can put the Raw Tag Team Championships on first. Yes, you could probably put Shinsuke Nakamura and The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship on first. But when you talk about opening and show you want the hottest match possible, what better fucking way to open up super hot is having AJ Styles and Cedric Alexander go one on one for the United States Championship? You're gonna have a four-hour pay-per-view possibly anyway, so let's keep it real. Let's give it fucking one hundred percent, all the way funky. AJ Styles, Chadwick Alexander should begin the night on the main card, without question. And to be truthfully honest, if you want to go on the kickoff, I put the women's tag team championship on, the cruiser and the cruiserweight championship on. You take two car- you take two matches out of that card already. Like I said, this match is gonna probably be one of the matches of the night. Hands fucking down. It's gonna be a barn burner. It's gonna be great. It's great to see Cedric Alexander in this light. Because, you know, I love Alexander. I love you know guys like Buddy Murphy, Mustafa Ali, Finn Balor, guys like that. You know, smaller guys. Because I'm I'm kind of a small guy myself. Five, nine, two nineteen. I'm small. I look small, but I got broad shoulders. But, you know, I can appreciate guys like Ascension Alexander that can do, that could probably build, you can build around. Not be a not be a cornerstone per se, but be a building block of a brand. He's not the type of person you can build around just yet, but he's a great building block. Someone you can help build that can help build a brand in the mid card, in upper mid card. I think this Sunday will be his coming out party. I think Cedric Alexander will have the best performance of his main roster career so far. I really do think that he will have the best match of his main roster run so far. AJ Styles will retain. I am picking AJ Styles to retain the championship. But, this, but we will come out of this match singing the praises of Cedric Alexander for the performance he will have against AJ Styles. Before we get into the King of the Ring, I want to talk about the Intercontinental Championship. Because that will get us halfway through, I believe, for my mistaken, if I counted correctly. I love if if you know me well enough, one of my favorite championships of all time, hands down, throughout its, you know, you know, evolution. It's evolution throughout. I love the Intercontinental Championship. This iteration of the Intercontinental Championship, I do not like. I prefer the I believe it's the 99 through 09 version the oval championship i love that belt it is one of my favorite belts ever it is clean it is it, and you could you could still you could modernize that you could literally make that belt the belt the workhorse belt when i do universe mode that oval belt i i use that instead of the actual intercontinental championship belt that they have I really do. I love that belt. I I personally want a replica of that belt to hold, to have, to hug, to sleep with. Okay, that's kind of weird. But, um... (laughs) I would... would, If I had to buy a belt, if you were going to give me X amount of dollars to buy a championship replica or a commemorative belt, that version of the Intercontinental Championship is the one I want the most. Just to get that out there. In terms of the person that's holding it, That being one Shinsuke Nakamura. I like Nakamura as champion. I'm okay with the fact that he is your current reigning and defending Intercontinental Champion. I do not like how they've built Shinsuke Nakamura as Intercontinental Champion because they haven't. Not even fucking close. They haven't. If you think they have, they haven't. The feud he's having with The Miz is pretty fucking dumb. What's even more dumb is is Sami Zayn being, I guess, the advocate for for one Shinsuke Nakamura. It doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. It doesn't. Shinsuke Nakamura, as his own man, if booked correctly, could be one of the hottest acts in WWE today. The fact that he can't speak English that well, well, that causes concern for one Vince McMahon, and that's why he doesn't look like the way he's supposed to. That man came up to the main roster as a blue chip prospect. A prime, grade A prospect coming from NXT. Coming from NXT, heralded as one of the building blocks of that brand. And now, he's a mid-card champion that isn't really looked at as a mid-card champion. To me, he's just a guy who holds an Intercontinental title and hasn't really defended it all that well. The Miz, for no reason at all, has been inserted into this match instead of one Mustafa Ali, for reasons I can't understand, comprehend, or even try to think about. This feud blew. There was no reason... I mean, honestly, this feud sucked. This feud was trash. Seriously, if you're booking an Intercontinental Championship match, you had one in Nakamura and Ali. The promos Ali was cutting, he was gunning for Nakamura. All signs had pointed to a Nakamura and Ali match at Clash of Champions for the Intercontinental Championship and if this match if that match was the match that we are going to have for the Intercontinental Championship I would put it I would literally bet my next paycheck right the fuck now that that would easily that could easily be match of the weekend worthy because I, I know for a fact they would have torn the house now in Charlotte, North Carolina I know that for a fact because these two guys are though Mustafa Ali hungry Nakamura has something to prove with the Miz. It just it it don't it don't go right. It doesn't mesh well. It doesn't mix properly. You know, it's like adding weird a weird vegetable into a a, a, stew, a beef stew. You know, you got your pig you got your peas, you got your carrots, you got potatoes. Then all of a sudden, you're just adding some fucking scallions and shit. That's it. Oh no, that's a vegetable. Or some random jalapenos and shit. It don't mesh well. Damn, now I'm kind of hungry. I really want some dinty more. Anyway, but seriously, this—I don't know. I—I I don't think this match is going to be anything out of the ordinary. I have Nakamura winning this matchup. I—I I just don't see him losing this belt too early. The Miz doesn't need this belt and yes he is one of the best in, in modern times he, is one, he has been one of the better intercontinental champions especially with that feud he had Dolph Ziggler back a couple of years ago um that was probably one of the greatest intercontinental feuds I had seen in, in quite some time but mid, the Miz just doesn't have that that as a babyface it doesn't work for him it just doesn't work he is a heel we know he's a better heel than he can ever be as a better babyface. He works well as a heel. That dastardly do by any means necessary tactics to get what he wants, it works for him. Him as a babyface? Doesn't even work in the slightest. It is night and day. And when you see Miz as a babyface, I don't believe it. It's not believable to me. Nakamura will handle business on Sunday. He will beat The Miz. And then hopefully, hopefully, we can get Nakamura versus Mustafa Ali. The King of the Ring final. Baron Corbin. Everyone's favorite TGI Friday's general manager. Versus Chad Gable. The unlikeliest of unlikely men to reach the final of the King of the Ring tournament. One of my favorite tournaments ever. One of my favorite tournaments of all time. Every time King of the Ring goes down, I'd say minus the last two happenings of the King of the Ring going back a few years, King of the Ring is the shit. King of the Ring actually used to mean something. King of the Ring comes around, came around every June. The winner of said tournament got a guaranteed shot. At the WWE Championship at the main event of SummerSlam. I had a conversation with a guy on Twitter last month. And I stated that, you know, this should have never happen. The King of the Ring Finals should have been happening in June. He's like, What do you mean? You know, I was like, You have a guaranteed storyline going into SummerSlam for two months. A guaranteed, full-fledged, flat-out, well-done storyline if you book properly it lead to a solid great fucking match at SummerSlam win or lose for the winner of the tournament this motherfucker had the audacity to tell me well you already have a tailor made storyline in Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins but think about who you could have had in this in this final Andrade Ricochet Samoa Joe what 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 it would have been like to see Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe for the Universal Championship at Summerslam? What would have been? How dope would have Seth Rollins a Cesaro match would have been? A Seth Rollins versus Ricochet Universal Championship match. An Andrade Cien Almas versus Kofi Kingston WWE Championship match. That would be quite fucking delicious if you ask me. All those matchups would have made every bit of sense. Had you built that up. Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins would be a super logical, easy to book campaign towards SummerSlam. Let Samoa and you could have had Samoa Joe win the tournament. Let Samoa Joe be that ruthless beast. Let that beast come out him him be him be like Megan. Everybody hated fucking Negan. I love from Walking Dead. Everybody hated Negan, and when he got murked, everybody was happier than a pig in shit. A lot of people ain't feeling Seth Rollins right now. I love, but I know a good amount of people who love themselves from Samoa Joe, and I think if Samoa Joe, if they did this tournament in June and built up Samoa Joe to be this absolute beast, and then had Samoa Joe beat Seth Rollins, boy. Woo! Let me tell you, I think the pop in Toronto would have been amazing for that. Samoa Joe ending the night at SummerSlam as Universal Champion? But getting back into Corbin versus game, the one thing people were fearing the most was Corbin winning the tournament. And we would have King Baron Corbin. The possibility is there, folks. I hate every bit of that thought. I hate it. I don't like the thought of possibly seeing Baron Corbin as King of a Ring. It doesn't... Ugh. ugh. Yeah. But Chad Gable, going through what he's gone through, the unlike, like I said, the unlikeliest of unlikely men to make it to the finals of the King of the Frank Tournament. If you had, if there were, if Vegas had booked odds on this match, guarantee he would be the biggest underdog of them all. 501 type shit. Know what I mean? Now, you can make the case for either guy to win. You can't. Now, those of y'all who listen to this on a regular basis, y'all know I used to like Baron Corbin. I used to love me some Baron Corbin coming out of NXT. He was just a good heel. I think he was just miscast, not as well booked. He could have been an absolute beast. He's not Universal Championship material, not World Championship material, but he could have been a solid upper mid card guy. Had they built him well enough, yeah, he could buy for a world title. Not even going to be mad at that. But it was, but a lot of people thought the worst when Corbin won that Triple Threat match on Monday night, and they realized he is one win away from the realization, from our realization coming true, and that would be a sad, cold day in hell if Corbin won this tournament. So, if you ask me, who should be King of the Ring. If you think I'm going with Picking Baron Corbin to win, you would be absolutely wrong. I'm going with Chad Gable. And I'm going to tell you why. Like I said, he is the unlikeliest of unlikely men. Nobody. For one... Like, hell, there's been reports of him changing his name to Shorty fucking Jin. Okay? Shorty Jin. What? Yes, that was the thing. That was a report, and Gable begged Vince McMahon not to change his name. You saw a little bit of it last night. Shane messing with him, calling him Shorty G or whatever. That would be the greatest disrespect ever if they changed his name to Shorty G. I would, I would immediately ask for my release. Immediately ask for my release. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm not even gonna deal with y'all. Fuck it. I think Chad Gable benefits more as King of the Ring than Baron Corbin does as King of the Ring. I think this could be be the beginning of a great push for Chad Gable if they decided to have the balls to make the right decision, give Gable the win, the victory, the great pop that he would get in Charlotte, of all places, and have him beat Corbin in a huge upset and be recognized as King Chad Gate. That's a good ring to it if you think about it. Well, before we get into the main stuff, we have to get through a Roman Reigns portion of the program. I hate this shit. I swear. I hate this shit. Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan in a notice application. Why did this storyline fall fucking flat, people? This storyline fell so fucking flat. It's not even funny. It fell severely flat. I was disgusted that we didn't get Reigns versus Bryant. That made all the sense in the world to give us Reigns versus Bryant in a no DQ match. It just made sense. It really did. But when Rowan was revealed as the one who pushed the scaffolding down on Roman, when he was revealed that he admitted to everything he did to Roman, I was was just flabbergasted. Rowan is not the kind of guy that deserves a push. Rowan is better served the tag team. And we know it. Reigns versus Ryan was the match we were supposed to have. If you're trying to build up Rowan, it's not going to work. And I'm picking Roman Reigns to beat Rowan this Sunday. If they have Rowan beat Reigns, I will be absolutely shocked. not in a good way. That will immediately be a bad on oh my good, the bad and the ugly, I promise you. That would be an easy bad for, for that matchup. Reigns beating Rowan ends the storyline properly. He thwarts the beast, and then he can move on to whatever, you know, extra commercials that they do for Count is cured. Um, now about that real quick before we move on to the main matches of the card. I'm okay with the fact that they had Rowan. Rowan, fuck that guy. Um, Roman Go out for the Connor's Cure. Now, a lot of people, it's it's usually 50-50 split on hating him and loving him. Um, i like liked what they've done with Roman. I actually have liked what they've done with Roman. Um having him come out for Connor's Cure made sense as he actually dealt with cancer himself. No two ways about it. It makes sense. Um I heard it was a good segment. A lot of people were, you know, happy with the segment. Um, they picked the right person to do it. Uh, I, he's, like I said, he's not a John Cena type by any means, but having him come out for that segment was very solid. Uh, like I said, he beat he beat leukemia. You know, it's in remission, so there's no reason why you know anybody should really poo-poo it, or give it or give it flack, or you know say anything negative about Roman um, when he's doing that. And a lot of people like the segment. You know, a lot of people were very very emotional about the segment. You know, so there's no reason to hate on that. I know a lot of people that said, you know, that said, you know, all oh, the users employed to make sure Roman didn't get booed. Okay, so it worked. It hit on every single mark, and like I said, Roman beat leukemia again. Now he's still dealing with it, and we talked about that a couple episodes ago um, when we were talking about some news. But hey, you know, good, good on, good on, you know, WWE to make the right call with Roman. Reigns beats Roman. It should be a decent, disqual- no disqualification match. I I'll be on my phone for the majority of it, or just checking out stuff for the good, the bad, and the ugly, making notes or whatever. Bailey versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Time to talk about the ladies for a little bit. This is the the, the Bailey Becky Versace is the easy choice. Now, leave that next i'll leave it in with that next up bailey charlotte flair when i think about this matchup i knew for a fact it was inevitable i did because actor ember y'all had a, i had an inkling it was going to be sharp it just made sense and leave you know and all the riff-raff about SummerSlam, I still think, you know, Io Shirai, Candice LeRae was the best women's match that weekend, without question. Um, And you can fight me on that all day long. Charlotte Tristratus did not live up to the billing they gave considering the fact that they only had two fucking wigs of build. Like I said, this match was inevitable. And... This may be one of the harder ones to pick. I'm not going to lie. As you can see, as you've been listening, the past close to 40 minutes, I've kind of made it easy on myself to pick certain people. Pick these, pick these. Nope. good legitimate reasons. But this is the toughest one out of all these matches, surprisingly, to pick. On one hand, you have Bailey, who just recently won the championship. and beating Ember Moon at SummerSlam to retain the championship as we go into Charlotte, North Carolina, Charlotte's backyard, and Charlotte gunning to become a 10-time women's champion. You have a case for both. You really do have a case for both of these women. The obvious choice would be Charlotte. You know, like I said, Hometown favorite, glorified home game, crowd's gonna be behind Charlotte. But I think if you're gonna have Bailey win this matchup and turn into the supposed quote unquote heel that you've been so supposedly booking your ass, quote unquote, you gotta have Bailey win here. You gotta have Bailey win. Retain the championship not only because she just fucking got it two months ago But you gotta make this a proper heel ceremony what I mean by that is have Bailey cheat either cheat to win Or cheat her way out of being beaten by Charlotte Blair That's right. Wanna be a heel so bad, you gotta start using heel tactics. And there'll be no better time than in Charlotte's backyard of Charlotte, North Carolina, than the cheat to win. I don't see any reason why not. You can have Sasha come out and attack Bailey. Not, not attack Bailey, my eye. smack myself for that one. Have Sasha. Have Sasha come out and and actually, you know, attack Charlotte and help her win or Bailey use a steel chair any way you can to have Bailey be a full on heel, have Charlotte, I guess, become a face. You got to make a solid double turn. I think Sunday is the right night to have Bailey become at the beginnings of a proper heel begin to form in front of our eyes. I say Bailey returns. and And it ties in to Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks returned. WWE to a chorus of happiness. Delightful moment. Probably one of the most delightful moments of the year. is making her speech about her, you know, about Bret Hart. Yada, yada. Sasha comes out. Crowd's going bananas. She attacks Natalia. Becky comes out for the save gets destroyed with a multiple chair shots by Sasha. Now, what they've done with Sasha is the same thing they've done with Bailey. They haven't really established her as a heel, And we all know, if you've been following Sasha Banks throughout her entire career, Sasha Banks can be one ratchet ass bitch. We weren't chanting Sasha's ratchet for nothing. Okay. I need to see full Ratchet Sasha. We've never seen it on the main roster. We've seen it in NXT. We've seen Ratchet Sasha. And when Ratchet Sasha comes out, she is one of the best heels in the fucking business. Point blank, period, hands fucking down. I have Sasha Banks beating Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship this Sunday. You don't come back after SummerSlam to lose. Understand that everything that led to SummerSlam, Sasha Banks had no reason to be a part of. And that's fine. You know, a lot of people were wondering why did Sasha Banks take her ball and go home? She was frustrated. When you Knowing that you were supposed to be given a long title run with the women's tag team championship, and then all of a sudden, seven weeks later, you lose it to the iconics in a fatal four-way tag team match that should have never happened in the first fucking place? Let's be real with ourselves, people. You don't have a return the night after SummerSlam to just lose. Sasha Banks must win. Why? Same reason for Bayley. You need to establish her as a true fucking heel. Which then leads to what I spoke about earlier, where what I alluded to earlier with the Women's Tag Team Championships, that two-woman power trip. Remember when Austin and Triple H two-man power trip if you don't go back it was a, it was probably one of the one at, uh, uh, up until triple h got injured probably one of the best storylines going in wwe at that time i believe austin was the WWE, wwf champion triple h was the intercontinental champion and they both held the tag team championships at the same time now given the fact that the wild card rule will end come october tag team division spans across raw smackdown and nxt that's your loophole i want to see ratchet sasha and a bitch baby run both shows singles wise and reign havoc or should i say wreak havoc across the entire tag team division the unstoppable duo that is Bailey and Sasha. Fuck a boss and hug connection. I need a ratchet and bitch connection. We'll work on those. We'll work on that. I promise you. We'll work on the name. We'll figure it out. I need that. I'm telling you. What I book here is solid fucking genius. There should be no absolute fucking reason why we can't have a two-woman power trip in 2019. Do I think WWE will pull this shit? No. Do I think they should do it? You're absolutely fucking moving. It works. It makes sense. Logically, everything, it all makes sense. Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. The disappointment that was SummerSlam. The disappointment that was SummerSlam, the double count A lot of people were bummed out by that, and I gave that probably, if I'm not not mistaken, that was an ugly. On my, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that was SummerSlam weekend. I hated every bit of it. I think it was the wrong call. I think in a big four pay-per-view, you should have had Randy Orton win the championship. There is no other fucking reason on the planet to have Orton not win the championship. Orton is my choice. I think this match would be fire, but you gotta give Orton the title especially when you're going into Smackdown on Fox this October three weeks from actually from Friday you have to have your best and I know for a fact that I've been reading and hearing Randy Orton is a definite choice to be on Smackdown Randy Orton must beat Kofi that's not to say I haven't liked Kofi's title reign I actually have I love this title reign. But right now, you gotta know when it's course ends. Kofi had his moment at WrestleMania. He defied the odds by beating Kevin Owens. He beat Ziggler. Feel me? Randy Orton should have beaten Kofi Kingston at the biggest party of the summer. Rematch the Class Champions, and then we go into October with Orton as champion. But if you're gonna go to SmackDown on Fox 5, which is with the affiliate in my area. You gotta have your best. That's not to say Kofi isn't good. Kofi's good, but his run is up. You gotta have Orton take the championship this Sunday. Clean. No double countouts, no bullshit, none of that. Randy Orton will beat Kofi Kingston with an RKO, The middle of that ring. And we end WWE Class Champions preview and predictions with Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. The saga, that wasn't. This feud sucked. (laughs) I'm just going to be flat out with y'all. This feud was trash. I did not like this feud at all. They have been booking Seth Rollins to be a complete retard. And Braun Strowman honestly never really deserved a shot in the first place. I don't think he deserved it, but they're giving the shot to him anyway. I believe it was the second week of build where they beat the OC for the Raw Tag Team Championships. That was dumb. Yeah, great job establishing your tag team division there, Vince. Then, to make matters even fucking worse, they had Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode to become win a tag team turmoil match to become the number one contenders for the tag team championship. What? Even further burying the tag team division. Let's start off with the raw tag team championships. I think it's pretty fucking evident that Rollins and Strowman are going to lose these titles. Great animosity towards the main event, which will be for the Universe Championship. Ziggler and Rude are going to win these titles. I think it's been pretty inevitable since the day they won the Tag Team Turtle match, becoming number one contenders. It will be the most odd pairing for the Tag Team Championships ever. Two guys who have been literally irrelevant on the mid card for God knows how long. He'll probably start off the night. It'll be a, it'll be decent, but Ziggler and Rude are gonna win these championships, and then we're gonna make even more of a mockery of the tag team division when they do, because they already have called this team Rudolph, spelling the names of Rude and Dolph Ziggler. What a fucking joke the Raw tag team division is right now. Knowing that Rollins and Strowman are your champions. And Ziggler and Root are going to take the titles from them. Fucking shame. And a a very, very sad day when you're seeing the tag team division with these two as your top teams at this very moment. Which leads to the main event, more than likely, of class champions between Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman ain't winning this fucking belt. Braun Strowman is not winning the championship. Rollins is going to retain. With... Bray Wyatt supposedly looming over, possibly facing the winner of this Universal Championship match to a match in LSL for the the WWE Universal Championship. I say it's too soon for Bray Wyatt to gun for the championship, but if he's that hot, I see no point in not not waiting anytime soon. If they want to strike while the iron's hot and have Wyatt gun for the championship, by all means, be my guest. Just know, if you decide to go that route... WWE management if you decide to give Br- Bray Wyatt that championship, if that's the course we're going, that man better be the most dominant universal champion in the history of the fucking go. Seth Rollins losing would become a, would be even more hilarious than it already is. This match is already hilarious in itself. I think it'll be a decent match. But in the end Rollins comes out at least holding one belt and walking out of Charlotte as your WWE Universal Champion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is my WWE Clash of Champions preview and predictions. We're going to take a little short break, and by short, y'all know how short I mean. Going to take a little 10 second break to get y'all catch your breath. And we're going to close it out properly and get you prepared for tomorrow's episode of Outside the Robes on Instagram live. We'll be right back. Guys, That's going to be it for episode 105 of The Young Lions Perspective. My WWE Clash of Champions preview and predictions. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly truly appreciate it. If you have any thoughts, opinions, remarks, um, what you're thinking about leading into Clash of Champions... What do you think is gonna be the best match on the card? Did you think the build was good? You think the build sucked? What matches are you looking forward to? Do you think, you know, you can pick predictions better than I can? Prove it. You know you want to. Hit me up with a voice message at anchor.fm young lines perspective. Hit me up with a voice message, man. Whatever you want to talk about. You know, like I said, anything related to Class of Champions or just professional wrestling in general, if you have any questions, anything like that, man, hit me up with a voice message, like I said. Anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. And if I like your message enough, it will be featured on a future episode of the YLP podcast. Do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all your social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Y'all know the deal. Like I said, share this episode and let the people know that the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to. Still Now, if you do not have the Anchor app and you still want to listen to this episode of the podcast, all the other 104 episodes of the Young Lions Perspective, including four episodes of the Secret Files podcast and soon to be six episodes of Outside the Ropes, including my interview with Instagod's author, Sonny Arvado and my picks for every division winner, every wild card, every playoff pick and my eventual Super Bowl 54 champion. You can check all those episodes out with the YLP podcast. But if you don't have the Anchor app, I got y'all. Relax. You can find this episode and all the other episodes of the, of the podcast itself across several different platforms, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, CastBox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, and of course, that good old Spotify fam! Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these different platforms. You should have no problem finding it what so Ever, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast itself, do not hesitate to follow me on Twitter at Swede Senator W W I. That's S U E D E S C N A T O R. Capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live because y'all know Raw is trash. NXT, NXT UK. Every takeover for NXT and NXT UK, AEW. Every live WWE pay per view, and if I have nothing else better to do at 2 a.m. in the morning, and New Japan is about to go down because I know we are on the destruction tour when they end in Kobe for their big show this month, I will be doing live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Also, follow me on the mothership, the home base that is everything YLP. Follow me on Instagram at young underscore lines underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms and stay up to date with everything that goes on with the YLP podcast. So like I said in the beginning, episode six, Outside the Ropes, we will be talking about the accusation of sexual assault by former trainer Brittany Taylor on Antonio Brown. This is a very hot issue. I'm going to look over some articles tonight to get myself prepared. I'm going to be, for the first time ever, doing a full-on episode of Outside the Ropes on my Insta live so if you're not following me right now on instagram follow me like i said at young underscore lions underscore perspective until tomorrow guys for episode six of outside the ropes enjoy the rest of your night i will be live tweeting tonight for nxt y'all know the deal the last full episode of nxt ever on the wwe network it's gonna be a very good night regardless until tomorrow guys see you